I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing? Doing great, Micah. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in. It's always a joy to come into your homes, your drives, your commutes, your offices, your workout spaces, wherever you're listening. We just want to say thank you. And Micah, are you as excited as I am today? I am very excited because we're finding out that we're having more people tune in around the globe, not just in the U.S., but people from all over each direction, north, south, east, west. So we are so grateful for the people we've had on this podcast. And we have an amazing guest today. And I just pray that the listener can really lean in and tune in to what the Holy Spirit's going to download to our conversation, hopefully, and he's going to interrupt our day and intervene on our behalf, right? Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> Micah, that's amazing. And if you're new or newer to the Young Adults Today podcast, like Micah said right off the bat, it's all about reaching the next generation in mm-hmm. our world today. Thank you for subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing this content with other leaders. It helps us reach them mm-hmm. with the message of Young Adults Today and a new episode drops every Monday morning. So that's a little bit about us. And we're joined today. I'll introduce our guest, but I just want to welcome him. We're joined by John Eldridge, amazing author. John, how are you today? Hey, guys. Good. It's great to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for saying yes, for spending time with us. You really need no introduction to me, to Micah, to most listeners. Uh, but for those of you, if you have not crossed paths with John or his writings, John Eldridge is the counselor and New York Times bestselling author of more than 5 million copies of the bestseller Wild at Heart. He has a ministry called Wild at Heart. He's written a number of other books. And we're living in a time where we're coming out of 2020 and 20, entering into 2021. And men and boys are experiencing the greatest mental health crisis we've ever known in history, in all times. And as a leading authority on masculinity, John is passionate about this topic and addressing the issues head on that are plaguing men. John offers solutions to help um, through an expanded edition of this Wild at Heart message, a six week program called Wild at Heart Experience. Both of them are gonna be available, check this, this month. And um, man, we believe that mental health matters, mm-hmm. that masculinity and and femininity are both things that are important to understand what God has to say. Mm -hmm. And so John, thanks again for joining us. Can you just dive into maybe some of your journey of how you got to here today? Yeah, well, it's a story. Everybody's got a story. Um, It actually began for me with a personal loss of heart. I was working in D.C., Uh, many years ago in a career that I was actually killing it. I was making money and climbing the ladder and White House meetings and Supreme Court hearings. And I was kind of the guy, you know, Uh, and I hated it. (laughs) And I realized I am in the wrong job. And here is a really kind question. A friend of mine asked me, he says, when you go in a bookstore, when you go to buy books, he's like, do you buy books on policy and and politics and stuff like that. I said, no, I, I never read that stuff. He's in your free time. 
He's like, what do you read in your free time? And I said, I read stuff on the soul. I read stuff okay. on the heart. Wow. Right. And he's like, dude, you're in the wrong career. And so I left, I went to grad school, got a degree as a therapist and entered into a, a private practice here in Colorado that was so much closer to what I'm made for. And, and um, golly, I, I just loved it. And it was out of that, just being in people's stories, being in people's lives, um, that I became an author. I wanted to reach more people. Totally. With the yeah, with the message that you, your heart matters. You have mm -hmm. a story. Your story matters. Yeah. That's so good, John. Thank you for sharing parts of your story today and letting us tune in. And what a great reminder to know that we're each designed for something. Yeah. And even when we're functioning, maybe not in our gifts or talents or abilities, God seems to put somebody in our in our path, or maybe we think that they're in our way, more or less, <laughs> of saying, you know, maybe you're really not designed or created for this. Wow. Or there's something, excuse me, something greater out there that, you know. God may, may have that we just get to embark upon those adventures. And it's so fun to hear where you've been and your willingness, your willingness at heart to say yes to what God has. And we know that wild at heart has been an extreme success, um, across the globe and across the, the U S just from your, your writing, your teaching, your style, your ability to, to break down those elements of that, the book and the, the problems at heart, you know, and I, even as a female had read this book because I was so curious about it. Cause I read captivating, which uh, you and Stacy had written or a female version, more or less of this. And I read yes. that and had the little study guide and everything. And I'm like, wow, like, I want to know what, what are the guys learning, you know, and really wanted to lean into that and to know, you know, how can I start praying for my future spouse? What should I be looking for? Is he have a heart after Christ or is he, you know, running after the, the lusts, the lusts of his heart and the lusts of the world. So we just really want to lean into that next portion of wild at heart. And can you tell us about your message from the first time that you like, God downloaded this, I don't know, this big dream, or maybe it's become a dream on like, looks like a dream on our end and remind us that the message spoken to our souls uh, when it comes to wild at heart. Yeah. Yeah. It actually begins in Isaiah 61 uh, where the, the, the message of the coming Messiah is I'm going to heal your heart and I'm going to set you free. And that's the passage that Jesus quotes in Luke chapter four, when he steps into kind of his first official like right. public moment. Yeah, that's the passage. And he, he could have chosen a bunch of other things. You know, we could have chosen the lamb slain or he could have chosen, you know, the prophet like Moses. But he chooses that passage mm -hmm. to say, look, I really am here to heal your brokenness and and restore you as I created you. And so working with a lot of men. Uh, as a therapist, look, working with a lot of marriages, I began to notice similar themes. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the genesis idea, male and female, he created this. Like that stuff runs really deep. Yeah. And, and like, for example, men fear failure. We fear it and, wow. and we're, we're crushed by it. Here's a fascinating thing, guys. When men retire, they die. Like more men die in two years after their retirement than at any other stage in their life. Oh my gosh. It was because they lose their mission. They lose the fight, right? Like, so the idea, the fear of failure and, and the idea of I'm here to make a difference 
it drives a core question in the heart of every, every man. And he, he, the question he's asking is, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And when the little boy rides his bike with no hands or, you know, when he does flips on the trampoline, like he's really asking that question. Do you see me? Like, am I amazing? Can I handle it? Am I strong? Am I brave? You know, do I have what it takes? And I, I saw it in my clients. I saw it in raising three boys. And, and I thought, man, like if we can help guys begin to understand some of the core questions like that and how some of the core mm -hmm. wounding gets in, we, we could actually, we could restore guys' hearts in, and that's what I want to do. I'm just, I'm just about restoration. John, that's simply incredible. Uh, Micah shared her story of coming across some of your material. And I remember being like a sophomore in high school, was a part of the youth group at my church growing up. And my small group leader and youth pastor, we just picture this, a basement full of guys. And it was wild sometimes. It was crazy. <laughs> but I remember we each got a copy of Wild at Heart and we read a chapter a week for like eight or 12 weeks. And just um, stumbled across some amazing material that just really seemed to resonate with my heart, with mm -hmm. a lot of the guys. And there's a unique need that you write about that I remember discovering for the first time as a teenager. And it was like this unique nature of the masculine soul. And you write about a few things that the, the male heart needs to thrive. Can you go there for a second and dive yeah. into that for the listener? Yeah, and we can tie it into why 2020 was so rough. So right. a, a man needs a battle to fight. He needs an adventure to live. And he needs a woman to love. He needs a beauty to love. And this is what we're wired for. If you look at the flow of Genesis, you know, the, the creation mandates and the adventure that he gives us, the mission, the fight, the calling, and the need for love, the need for companionship, the need for... Um, a true soulmate in your life that, <clears throat> that you're really fighting for her heart. You're here um, to come through. And this that idea of coming through that I think really clobbered guys in 2020 um, because we knew there was a fight. The whole world's in global trauma. Mm -hmm. wow. it, was glo it was global trauma, right? And, and it's the economies and it's people and it's all that stuff. And not just you know the virus itself, but it's everything around it, the lockdowns and and the isolation for guys. They they didn't know what their mission was anymore. What's my mission? What's my battle? And and I sure don't feel like I have what it takes. Like I can't fix this. And we literally told guys to do the most emasculating thing ever. We said, go home and do nothing. <laughs> it's crushing. Like what? That's my mission? Wow. Like, go sit on my hands for six months? Like, I can't, you're killing me. Oh my gosh. I'm just thinking in, re in, re in regards to, so we had a daughter in the midst of the pandemic, April 22nd, 2020, she was born. <laughs> so being, okay, number one, isolated. Number two, discovering like, okay, how do we pivot ministry 100% online? Yep. How do we take care of our daughter, a new family, understanding the family dynamics? And I, I don't want to speak for you, Josiah, but my observation as a wife, knowing his love language is uh, words of affirmation and... Um, Brain fart. What's the other one? Physical touch. Physical touch. Yeah. Those are the two. And I'm just like, I saw him wrestle and struggle with exactly you described of like, 
what kind of man? Okay. I'm, I'm a husband. Yes. But now I'm a dad and now I have to pivot in my workplace and yeah, we're, we're stuck inside. Nobody can come to visit us to help or hold our daughter. <laughs> and, so, well, yeah, <laughs> John, I, I can just only ex- speak from my experience, what Micah just said. And I remember this, um, the first days into the pandemic, we don't know, is this going to be like, it sounds like it's going to be two weeks, but it was yes. actually like a lot longer, but <laughs> I just remember like, okay, I'm going to run every morning. Our gym's closed. I like working out. I'm going to just get up and run, go somewhere, <laughs> do something. And that really helped. But you are a therapist and a counselor. And I just want to talk about something that I found a lot of freedom in that I want to maybe set somebody free. Um, because I, I think that there can be a lot of misconceptions or myths or fears around this. But I went to, shortly after we got married, I spent about six months or a year in counseling. And man, I found freedom in that. Right. I found right. such a blessing. And mm-hmm. we believe that mental health matters, spiritual, relational, social, um, spiritual health and well-being, holistic health. And I think that a a component of that is being willing to, to seek holistic health and growth in Mm -hmm. maybe it's therapy, maybe it's a Christian counselor. So I just want to say that. And, Mm -hmm. um, I know you can maybe make a dive into the next question, but I just pray for somebody who's listening today Mm -hmm. in the midst of a battle that you are trying to fight, that you don't need to do it alone. And that finding help and, and health in man, the, the process of counseling is, is such a great thing. That is, is very true. Whether it's prayer ministry, whether it's counseling, whatever, whatever people need and to lean into that process of healing and understanding that we are dynamic, messy, layered people with souls and pasts. And we're literally like layers of an onion needing to be peeled back. Um, in every area of our life, no matter what it is to let go of things or to release freedom or forgiveness and all those different elements. But John, I really would like to pick your brain for all the female listeners, whether they're single dating, married or engaged, how would you encourage the female, um, in regards to supporting men in general, whether it's a brother in Christ or or a spouse, like how do we as females support their dreams, support their vision that God has given them? Um, healthfully and helpfully, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, one of the most amazing things you can ever say to a man, <clears throat> can you help me with this? I'm serious. <laughs> like it, it, when a guy feels needed, it's like, oh, you need some help? Like, you know, what, what do you need? Like come move some books, help you with the car, give you a ride. Like what, what, what? Like I, he feels phenomenal if he feels like he is contributing in, in, because the opposite is what happened. Like, because it's a misunderstanding of like gender roles and stereotypes mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, the strong independent woman, the feminist thing, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you tell a man, I don't need you, he's gone. Wow. He's gone. And, and he'll either just check out emotionally or he, or he'll check out, like he'll go have an affair. He'll go, you know, he'll go find some place that he's needed. And mm-hmm. so guys, like, here's another way to think about it. <clears throat> Men are always looking for validation. Yes. And, and they're also staying away from places where they feel like they're not going to be validated. They're going to be exposed. And so if he's great at the gym, he's going to hang out at the gym. If he's crushing it at work, he's going to become the workaholic. 
Like he's going to gravitate to where he feels strong. That's good. Wow. Right. Yeah. And so girls, ladies, women of all ages, like kind of look at, look at your man, look at where he's looking for validation and, you know, I love the thing about words of affirmation. I don't know anybody who doesn't need words of affirmation. Like, Amen. Um, <laughs> but, but the message of, I need you, I need you. Can you help me with this? It is vulnerable on the part of a woman, risky, right? Right. But it's that vulnerability that really causes a man to go, yeah, I'm in. That's good. That's a great reminder for all the independent women who don't think that they need help. It's okay to ask for help and include somebody in the process. <laughs> oh my gosh. So true. And I just think going, going backwards and going forwards for a second, I just reflect on the past year, John, of how challenging and difficult it's been at times for me, but really for everyone, right? Including men. And God said from the very beginning, this is good. This is good. This is good. Creation is good, but it's not good for man to be alone. And here we are in 2021 coming out of a global pandemic, coming out of a time where rise of anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. mental health crisis we touched on and really isolation and loneliness are thriving among men discouragement, depression, they're all on the rise. In fact, um, people who make charts, researchers, et cetera, they're coming up with new charts and new metrics because all these mental health challenges are off the charts and they're coming up with new scales. But can you talk about this of how can men who are facing hardship, hurts, hurdles, hangups, how can they pursue health, help, and hope? Yeah, man. Um, golly. Um, so many thoughts at once. I gotta, I gotta pick one at a time here. Let's start with the isolation. You got to get out of isolation guys. Um, and gals, you, um, one other guy, one other guy to like run with bike with get back out onto the court with Mm -hmm. something right? One other guy. Cause what men have relational networks. It's just, they were all taken away in 2020, like work. We're now we're all working from home and the gym and the gyms were all closed and mm-hmm. the games were shut down. And you know, yeah. so you got, you actually have to rebuild that. And like your thing about, I'm going to run, I'm just going to run for my mental health. I had two pals who challenged each other. They said, we're going to run every day in 2020. And it was literally one mile. If all we do is a mile, we're just going to go every single day for our mental health. Huge. Okay. I got two other pals uh, in Ireland. They're still in lockdown. Okay. Full tilt level five lockdown in Ireland still, but you can walk and you can walk with one other person. It's enough. Find one other dude to reach out and do something with like grill in the backyard, sit around the fire pit, get out for a weekend camping, like begin to break the isolation is the first step. Oh my gosh. I think of what you just said speaks to me deeply because there are two friends that have probably been my best friends, both of them about a decade, maybe a little longer. And we have um, just this group text. It's three of us. 
and we're checking in on each other. It's our accountability thread. Hey, how's purity? How's finances? Are you being honest? There's some hard questions that we each rotate and ask each other once, once a month. So it's like every week, a different guy is asking those questions. But man, throughout the few years that we've had this group text, it's just been a lifeline where probably each of us has gone through ministry changes or career changes, job changes, family challenges, and just to have a place to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we refer to it as the, the, <laughs> the group of friends that you can text the things that you can't tweet that you want to tweet. <laughs> yes. Like have a group of guys where you can say anything. Thoughts. And yeah, there's, it's, yes. it's, it's private. It's yeah. like, um, I guess, what am I saying? It's, it's a safe place. Right. It's a confidential place, but there's accountability and man, then to get together with those guys too, definitely. But even just like a place where we can do a group call or a FaceTime, even if it's yep. short, mm-hmm. um, that's been a lifeline to me, John. And, and Micah knows that mm-hmm. like, there's been times too, where as a spouse, she's been like, you need a guy's night. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, full on. Okay, yeah. so let me add another another layer to this. 2020 for everybody was a year of disappointments. Um, you know, we couldn't hold birthday parties and we couldn't go to graduations and weddings went from 150 people to, you know, three people. Mm-hmm. And just, there was just a lot of disappointment and work and friendships and the things we're talking about. The, the human brain, the way it's structured, you actually need things that you're looking forward to. You need things that you are anticipating. Mm. So make a plan, gang. What's your joy this year? What are you going to do? What are you looking forward to? And, and literally start like dreaming. And you may not be able to make it happen next week, but you can start planning towards it. I want to go you know, to the falls and go swimming again. We got to get to the beach. I want to I want to learn to kayak this year, whatever it is, right? You just start dreaming again. Mm-hmm. The, the human soul needs joy. Yes. And we had a lot of joy taken in the last 12 months, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody did globally. So what, you, what are you planning for, guys? Is especially like get out of the fog and the COVID brain, you know, and the, and the fogginess, like, and start planning some joy and some play. Mm-hmm. I just mean play, go play. What are you going to do to play? That's good. John is speaking my language. Cause there was a day where Josiah and I, I just look at him and I go, we need to have more fun. <laughs> we need to have yeah. planned fun. And it's weird to say that, like, as an adult, you're like, we need to have more fun. We need to laugh more. We need to reach out to more friends. Even if we need to, this is what we started doing. So we would choose a couple that we love to do life with, and we would send them a meal and we'd FaceTime with them for like an hour. And sometimes three hours. We're like, you know what? We can't be face to face in person. We're going to be face to face on the screen and we're going to enjoy a meal together. And that like, people are like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that before. And I'm like, to us, I'm like, this is awesome, you know? So planning more fun is definitely something that I've told Josiah we want to do. Like, 
we kind of just become so laser focused on, you know, whether it's ministry or it's leadership or it's personal development, or it's, you know, you look at your home and you've been looking at these walls for 12 months. You're like, what can I change? What can I change? So you get the do it yourself, you know, mindset going. It's like, okay, I need to put God back, you know, where he needs to be the center of it all. I need to put him and need him seated on the throne of my heart. And we need community in that process. And how do we strategically do that when our friends are having babies, we're having babies, and we want to honor the authority of the requests that they've made. But how do we do that well? And one thing that we always come down to is, recognizing that us, no matter what age you are, we are all designed for relationships and we are all designed for community. Totally. It's biblical. They gathered around the table. They ate, they traveled together. They washed each other's feet. They ministered to each other and to others. And I believe that we're obviously all in need of community, but I would specifically ask why do maybe you already touched a little bit on this, but why do men need each other, whether it's getting plugged into a small group and how do men find, find friends? That's the number one question that we get asked by young adults that are between ages, maybe 18 to about 30. They're like, how do you make friends? And they're desiring lifelong friendships, but they don't know how to put that first step forward and putting themselves out there. So maybe just for the men that are listening, John, what would you have to say to that? How do they start a friendship, get plugged into a small group, fill in the blank. It's, it's your question to answer. <laughs> so the, the typical model of get chairs in a circle and get guys talking, it freaks most <laughs> men out. Yep. Okay. It, seriously, whether you are a, a father of a dad or you're a young man looking for a friend, here's the, here's the magic guys. You get guys doing something. Like tree fell down in my backyard. I need some help. We're going to cut it up this weekend. Come and help me. Right. You do stuff together. Love it. You got to do, you got to do stuff. Right. If you want to make friends, don't start with the idea of we're going to build relationship. That's intimidating. Like, man, that's, that's way too heavy. Relationship for men, especially takes place when you are on something together. Like you start, start a bike group and go, look, it's Saturday, 6 a.m. We're, we're doing a 12-mile loop. Come join us. We're just going to ride together. And out of that, friendships get built, right? Or it's, hey, my pipes broke and I, I got plumbing issues. I need some help. Can you guys come over and help me this weekend, you know, get in the basement and figure some stuff out? You do stuff together. And out of that, male relationships are formed. That's good. What I've learned, sorry, Josiah, I've, I don't know where I was taught this. I can't remember if it was in ministry, but men do really well side by side at a baseball game, at a basketball game, or they're, you know, they're participating in those sports side by side, whatever that yep. is. Women do well, essentially developing relationships, eyeball to eyeball. Let's have a cup of yep. coffee. Tell me your story. Yep. And they yep. lean in and the guys are just like, they lean out. If you were to tell them, get in a circle and grab a cup of coffee. <laughs> Well, and I think what you just both touched on is huge because for those of us who are ministry leaders, I want to speak to us for a second because we tend to think in terms of programming and events or really services and gatherings. And what I mean is the model for church. And I wonder if there's a correlation between why more females are involved in college campus ministry, why more females like attending church is it's a lot more like John, you said, 
getting circles around it, uh, some chairs and getting some people talking. And that lends itself well to for sure community. That, that's a mm -hmm. useful thing. But I think that if we can retrain our minds to think creatively and recognize that ministry happens when guys are cutting a tree down together, helping each other, like there's mm -hmm. such a rise of HGTV and do-it-yourself projects, but we work with young adults and so many of them are first-time home buyers and they can get in over their head really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so where my mind is going of, man, what a great group when like, hey, let's bust down a wall together. You're trying to do something that, and, and, totally. and rethinking ministry of it's not just living room, small groups, or mm -hmm. um, a person on stage presenting and everyone else mm -hmm. listening or conversations. Like I think men sometimes open up and bond at a baseball game mm -hmm. or playing softball in a league together. Or I, I really like that. Here's where I thought you were going. So let me take your thought and take it further. So you've got, you've got um, young couples, young people, singles who are in their own spaces. Now you form a help me fix this group. And, and once a week, you're at somebody's place. I need a wall repaired. I need to hang a door. I need to paint a bathroom. And, and you get, everybody gets a turn. I love Isn't right? that fun? You're a genius. It, it'd be huge, honestly, because the fact is we are in over our heads. We are, and, and we do need some help, right? Like, I don't know how to fix electrical. So can somebody find out, like, let's do this thing, right? Right. I love it. Demo day. And reno day. And reno day. All in one. <laughs> it's amazing. John, one of the things that I admire about you, man, the most is just your gift of connecting with words on a page and through writing and through reading. And um, Mike and I both are aspiring authors. We enjoy the writing process. And you've written a number of books. So is your wife, Stacy. Can you just for us selfishly and for the listener who wants to learn more about the writing process, can you go there for maybe a, a moment or two and just share maybe some of the helpful things that you've learned along the journey of writing? Oh man, <clears throat> we, we need like six podcasts for that. There we go. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's a couple thoughts. First off, um, you write what you're interested in. Yep. Stick to what you're interested in because um, it'll show on the page. Mm -hmm. If you're just trying to teach biblical truths, it'll feel teachy. Um, but if you're writing about something that you're personally curious about, you create curiosity on the page. You're like, oh, yeah, that's really intriguing. And then people get pulled in. Um, you keep it to story and, and once in a while principles. But, but the human soul doesn't really thrive on principles. The human soul thrives on story. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, we've kind of got this whole teaching model in Christianity that we really emphasize principles, but it's super boring. <laughs> like it just doesn't make good reading, you know? Um, and then if like in terms of the actual creative process itself, become a journaler, personal journal is with you a lot. Mm -hmm. And, and it's anything and everything like don't, don't make the journal now like this needs to be eloquent. Sometimes it's a rant. Sometimes it's a series of questions like the journal is your space to just begin to put your soul out in words. 
today I'm fried. Why am I fried? I don't, it's like, let yourself process. Don't rush to conclusions, right? So you're mm -hmm. journaling regularly. Read people whose writing you really like. I don't mean the content. I mean the quality of the writing. That's good. Because there's something about good writing. It has a cadence to it. It, it, it has a vibe, it has a richness and a texture to it. And so oftentimes when I go to write before I'm writing li literally like it's my Wednesday morning and I'm writing a book, I'll just reach over on my shelf and I'll grab an author whose writing style I really like. And I'll open the book to any random page. I'm not looking for content. I'm, I'm looking for the reminder of what does good writing sound like? What does good writing feel like so you read whoever whoever it is you love Anamot, Beekner, you know whatever um and then this is a fun little thing um I would find a soundtrack Ooh. from a movie that fits the vibe of what I what I'm writing about and I would play that soundtrack in the background that's good do you have your soundtrack already known? Oh man, I can think of Fast 10 and the right Furious. now. That one's no. good. <laughs> Batman <laughs> Begins has some epic um, Lord of the Rings. Oh my right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really fascinating because I could I could go back to different books I've written from like Journey and Desire, Wild Heart, All Things New. And there's different soundtracks depending on the book, right? I mean, Gladiator, Braveheart, all that was the soundtracks for Wild at Heart. Right, but not for all things new. All things new. It's a book that I wrote about the recreation of heaven and earth. Like that's beauty. That that's epically beautiful scores. That's classical music. That kind of thing. Well, right. Yeah. Really pounding on the keys, getting your heart rate up, climax I'm, of the story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to try those to South Bill. Yeah, it's fun. Oh, that's so fun. Well, John, we have come to one of our favorite um, portions of the interview or time spent with you. And we're wondering, are you ready for the challenge of five in five? There I don't are, know. Am I? I hope so. There are five questions and we have five minutes to answer those five questions. Do you think you can do it? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. We'll see what You're you got. You're talking to a man of many words. All right, here we go. <laughs> okay. Here's question number one. If you could describe yourself or your soul in three words, what would those three words be? Wild, dangerous, free. Ooh, that sounds like a book right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought you were going to go wild at heart. <laughs> yeah. um, that's fun. John, we know that you're a wordsmith and that words to you are calculated and weighed and they matter. They mean, they're meaningful to you. And are there, I'm just curious, are there any like words, whether it's quotes, verses, um, phrases that you live by, words that you live by? Oh, of course. Um, the current one that's taped to my computer screen is a quote from St. Irenaeus. Oh, no, no, no. This is, um, oh, what was his name? He was, he was the British monk that went to France. It'll come to me in a minute, but he says this, may the son of God who was already formed in you grow in you so that for you, he will become immeasurable. And that in you, he will become laughter, exaltation, the fullness of joy, which no one can take from you. That's good. 
That's good. Amazing. I'm going to go back and listen to that again when we're done here. Excellent. Okay, John, here is the curveball. If you're a sports person, you'll enjoy this. The curveball is if you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, what would you ask us? I would ask you about your religious background. Where did you come from? How has it shaped you today? Mm -hmm. Well, I grew up, okay, it sounds really messy. So I grew up in a small town of 1200 people. Let's just say that. So there's four churches. There's Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, and Methodist. My mother was raised in a very devout Catholic home until she was 18, where she became like true Christ follower, understanding, just, it's not about religion. It is about a relationship. So there's her side. My dad was raised in the Methodist church in a broken home, divorce, everything. But when we grew up, they decided they were the first generation parents where they're both Christians following the Lord. So the only at the time seemed like Bible preaching church was the Baptist church. So I was raised about K through 12 in the Baptist church and then leaving um, after graduation, discovering like, kind of like, why do I believe what I believe and what have my parents told me and what do I have yet to discover on my own? And so my parents always taught me to ask questions, critical think and problem solve three things I'm so grateful for. And when I stepped out into the real world, more or less of college, I was like, Lord, like I need to find a church. So I started praying and I started um, just saying, Lord, Lord, I need young adults that are Christian friends. I need young adults that are a positive influence. Otherwise, if I continue to go the way that I'm going, I'm going to end up in a place I don't want to be. And I started praying and God started providing and I landed in a church. Um, It was Evangel Assemblies of God. So it was an Assemblies of God church. And that's where I got super duper plugged in. It was one of my friends that I was going to business school with. He's like, my band and I are playing in the youth center. If you want to come check it out. I was like, right on. So I did. And I'm like, this church is, this is amazing. And they spoke the word of God. They preached the word of God. They talked about like the giftings and the talents and the abilities that God has naturally given us. And I started to come alive in ways that I'm like, okay, finally, like these things that are straight in my heart and soul finally make sense. Like, why do I love doing these things? Why do I not thoroughly enjoy these? Well, I'm not designed for them. So I'm trying to fit, fit like a square, you know, peg in a round hole with thinking who I need to be. And um, obviously I'm still on the journey of faith and relationship with God and everything. But um, I think my parents have really influenced my ability to do those three things, problem solve, ask questions and critical think and to discover who God's created me to be. And they've always been prayer warriors. They've always supported the things that I've done and they, and they continue to. So I think, you know, in that process, God has really exposed his heart to me and who I am because of him more or less. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I took more than one. Yeah, it's huge. Huge. (laughs) Um, Yeah, John, I I referenced it, but my parents, they met on the Sunday that my mom got water baptized at the (laughs) church that I grew up at. And it was about a mile from our current home, Cedar Valley Church. It was Bloomington Assembly of God, Mm -hmm. um, really connected to North Central University, downtown Minneapolis as well. And I mean, my parents found Jesus, both of them at young, uh, like as young adults, kind of in the Jesus people movement of the 70s or 80s. (laughs) Yep. That's my story. That's amazing. And 
And so I gave my life to Christ. Our family went to the Billy Graham crusade in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Metrodome. I was five years old. Billy was 75 and it connected in my heart, grew up, made a lifelong decision to follow Jesus um, and, and experienced him to be real in my own tangible way. When I had an uncle commit suicide, I had mental health challenges when I was in fifth through eighth grade, I had tension headaches mm -hmm. and there was people from our church that prayed for me every day for over three years. And it was in a chiropractor's office where I got healed. I had a moment of surrender and said, I'll God, God I'll give you my perfectionism. Mm -hmm. If you, and he, he took away my headaches and I haven't had headaches like that ever since. And wow. Experienced his God's provision mm -hmm. in our family. When my dad had different um, just career transitions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And well, our family never went without a meal never missed a mortgage payment and just experienced um, Jehovah Jireh to provide for our family and yeah. decided like I had business plans. I had a degree that I was going to use mm -hmm. and just was um, burdened and broken for a generation of 18 to 30 year olds who grew up in Christian homes, in mm -hmm. faith, in youth groups, and were walking away. And I think our ministry, this podcast, they all exist because other resources for the next generation don't. Mm -hmm. And so we just have a calling and a burden and a passion to see young adults thrive in their faith, see the goodness mm -hmm. of God in the land of the living, find relationships that last a lifetime, um, have resources that are helpful to them and have catalytic rallying points as individuals and right. leaders. So that's kind of our journey. We met um, while at was, the church that he grew up in yeah, actually yeah. after I moved so, here from North Dakota. So it's, it's been a fun faith journey. Yeah. Wow. Really good guys. That's beautiful. Well, thanks for asking John and caring and investing in us back to you. Question four out of five. Why do you believe that young adult ministry is important? And then, and the faith of the next generation matters. The connection between the mental health crisis that we were talking about earlier it is really heartbreaking for the next generation they're coming through a lot of woundedness they're coming from a, a lot of brokenness in their family systems and jesus is great at healing people's hearts and souls he's just phenomenal at it i want to get that message to them I really do like that the need is there in some of the traditional religious systems isn't going to speak, but if we can speak to their brokenness, we can speak to their need and bring the healing presence of Jesus into their story. Wow. It'll, it'll change everything for them. Wow. That's so good, John. That's, that's why we do what we do. That's so important. Amen. And you nailed it on the head right there, but we got one more question that we would love for you to answer for us. If you could tell a group of college pastors or young adult ministry leaders, one thing, if we handed you a microphone, what would you tell them today? It's all about your wholeheartedness. You have to pursue your own wholeheartedness first because everything you do comes out of it. And if you haven't wrestled with your story, if you haven't done serious work in the restoration of your own soul, why you are the way you are, why you fear what you fear, what compels you, you will simply pass that on. 
and we don't want to pass our we don't want to pass our mess on right (laughs) your wholeheartedness is what people are going to look to to say i want that it's good where'd you get that wow man i think that for every young leader who's listening I think that's a charge for us mm-hmm. um, to validate the importance of the call of God on your life and to recognize that what you're doing is making a difference. Mm-hmm. And you might not see the immediate healings of those wounds, but right. we get to participate in the healing process and be vessels that can minister wholeness out of our own brokenness. Mm-hmm. And um, just really inspired, John, I feel like there's such a peaceful cadence and rhythm to the conversation today makes me just feel- I just want him to burst out in song. I just feel like he could really, really do some good things. <laughs> it makes me feel at peace and just also calm, but inspired to right. dream again, to um, take on challenges, to, to go further and to just keep carrying the name of mm-hmm. Jesus and mm-hmm. sharing it with the next generation. Yeah. So I just want to say on behalf of our listeners, young leaders, yeah. Thank you for your writings. Thank you for this mm-hmm. message. Uh, I hope that people will pick up a couple copies, go through it as small groups. Wow, that heart expanded edition available now. Yeah. And John, but one more time, just thank you so That's much fun. for thank your time you. today. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. This has been delightful. Really proud of you. Love what you're doing. Love your hearts for Jesus. Way to go. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, you're helping pave the way. And I, we truly believe that you're writing um, is a form of a, a pioneer spirit to really speak into exactly what we talked about today. And for just an amazing conversation, some fun questions to land on, some reflective things to think about in our hearts and in our souls and in our ministries themselves. And um, thank you so much for joining us, listeners, and obviously, John. And you can find more about John Eldridge and Wild at Heart when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as well as across all of our social media platforms at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Mike and Josiah signing off, and have a great day. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.